So I left, went home, and um, Dana Farber's out in Boston, Mass, about 230 miles from. So a few days later, my mother called, my sister passed. So I'm really heartbroken, and but boy, it hit me. And within a week, I got on Jags and I ordered a set of slicks, um, Firestone slicks, 28 and a half inch um, tall. Got back into it. And boy, I'll tell you, did I have a hard time. It's time for Class Racing Today, the podcast for the NHRA Class Racing fan. Well, it is still March 2022. This is Class Racing Today. Welcome back to episode 55, classracingtoday.com. If you have any questions or comments, you can email them, classracingtoday at gmail.com. Or if you are watching live via Facebook at the moment, you can chat uh, in the comments. And we try to get to those as much as possible so we can get your your commentary on the show as well uh, while we're live. Uh, Brian and Bobby... You're back again, <laughs> as usual. It's weird. Um, I just think it's odd that we've had both of you so consecutively lately. Well, it is winter, you what? know. <laughs> well, I guess right. is, is it technically spring yet? Uh, well, the time changes to this Saturday, Sunday morning. Time change again. Which, all right, let's talk about that for a minute. It's 2022. Why in the world do we still change our clock? Do, do you know, like Bobby on the East Coast? Do you know why? <laughs> we still I change have no idea. Time. I, I don't. I I just think it's ridiculous. And I, I have not I had when it gets dark early. Yeah. It totally is just. It's such a. It's, mm-hmm. I just get so tired by eight o'clock because I feel like it's midnight. Mm-hmm. I've asked many people, and no one can explain to me why it's necessary at all. I know about Brian, you're in the, the Did you ag, ask a the farmer? I thought it was their thing. Well, I said, Brian, you're in the ag world. <laughs> Tell us. I don't think it's a farmer thing. It used to be, didn't it? No, I think it's like an industrial city, towny type thing. Like, we want to get home and get more daylight. And I still know. have time outside. Because farmers don't really care what time it is. Like, Well, the crops you, don't. You get up, you go to work. You kinda, <laughs> when you're done working, you go to bed. You don't care if it's 4 a.m. Right. or 3 p.m. Like, it don't matter. But what is time to change is getting parts ready for racing, Bobby. Like, I got my transmission ready. I got some parts coming in. Everybody's getting excited for the class race revival. Oh, last year, I remember your, uh, <laughs> watching you race that. Uh, the cloud that erupted out of the back of your car after most of the runs was pretty fascinating. It's like you were adding atmosphere to the race, literally. Yeah, let's not talk about that. We're going to have a new, better plan for this season. <laughs> hey, Bobby, that was your first go at the driver interview thing, correct? Was at, uh, at, at that class race revival? Yeah, it was. That's where, That's where it all started. The, uh, idea was formed. That's correct. So you got down there by uh, Don Kennedy helped you get there um, because he wanted you to be able to be on the ground and get that. And I thought it was really cool that you and Brian got to be together uh, for the first time in the same quote unquote room. Do you still remember the first time you laid eyes on me, Bobby? I remember when I saw you. <laughs> yes, you are much uglier in person. This thought... camera really does a. Craig's editing does a really good job. <laughs> I thought, man, I thought he'd be bigger in real life. Oh, uh, it was fun. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely learned a lot. I really didn't have much clue what I was doing as far as the driver interviews went, but kept getting easier with each one. And uh, I feel bad for the first couple of people that I interviewed, but toward the end of the weekend, I was rocking and rolling. 
Well, and there was only good good feedback from them. I mean, I just from this side watching it and listening to the feedback and seeing people talk about it, uh, they had a lot of good things to say about it. So I think it was a great a great thing. To me, the amazing part was is it was all cars that I wanted to actually see. I felt like I was going to, I don't know what do they call in football where all the greatest players come, Pro Bowl. It was kind of like oh. the Pro Bowl for stock, super stock racing. Like all of the people I watch and want to be like and idolize were there at the same track talking to you like you were just a normal person, and that was pretty crazy. And this is year two. They're going to roll the same plan, just tweak a couple things. What are the dates this year? April 28th to May 1st. That's going to be the date schedule. You know, last year everybody said the date was too early, and this year it's a little hard for me, so I will not be able to attend unless there's, yeah, it probably just is not going to happen. But that's no reason for everybody else not to come because... It was definitely one of the greatest races I've been to. The national event thing was cool. This was way cooler. Like I said, great racing, great community. Oh, the who's who of class racing was there, and there's no way I'd miss it if I didn't absolutely have to. Check it out, RaceDerbyCity.com for uh, the next step in the Class Racers revival. Uh, we thank them for their support of the show. I did figure out, like, so I had a revelation today as I walk out of my house, and one of the biggest miscalculations I think I've had since I've started racing mm-hmm. is where to park the race trailer. Like, you know, at the racetrack, that's one of the hardest things to figure out where you want to park, where you want to pit, how much room you need. Well, like an idiot, you know, I'm building a building, and that's been a year-long fiasco. It's not happening. You're so building I, it twice. It's fine. <laughs> so I actually parked the building on the north side of our barn. Figured it's out of the way. I can move snow. Don't have to worry about it. It's like waiting for the groundhog to show its face. Like the snow is on the north side of the building, so the sun doesn't hit it, and it's just slowly starting to be visible. Like I want to get it out of there. I want to do some work and start doing things. And, yeah, it's still frozen in a snow cocoon from all the snow that came off the barn, and the sun doesn't hit it. I mean, possibly one of the greatest failures I've had of parking a race trailer is where I put that (laughs) stupid thing. It's kind of frozen to the ground. Nice. Next week, though, it's 50s, so I'm hoping that it'll emerge from the darkness. And That just means it'll be a mud hole. Uh, if I get it out of there, I don't care. It's going into my rented shop, and I can start doing things. Nice. Bobby doesn't have issues like that no. in the city. Mm-mm. Proper snow removal. Everything's good. Right? That's well, <laughs> not exactly true. Not where the race cars are, but it's not... You know, we complain about the cold here, but that that's what you guys have, and ugh, I don't know. I, I, But I can't win because I was so looking forward to going to the Gator Nationals this weekend to get into nice 80-degree weather and walk around in some shorts and a T-shirt. And I'm going Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and the weather forecast is like 99% rain Thursday, 98% Friday, and maybe 80-something percent Saturday. And then it's only going to be 59 degrees on Sunday. So I, don't, I think I just totally mushed Florida by booking a trip down there. <laughs> so it is your fault. Is that what you're saying? Pretty much. Yeah. I'm going down there, looking forward to being in the sun, get some nice interviews. I got a cool uh, a new GoPro that shoots 360 video. I want to put in like McNeil Freeman's car and be able to see the 160 mile an hour you know, Copo climbing on him, you know, the whole way he goes down the whole time he's going down the track for the 15 seconds he goes down the track. And I was looking forward to all of this. And my dreams are just up in smoke right now. 
Now you so, can put it inside the trailer, and you can have interviews inside the trailer and see all sides. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to try it. We're going to see. Uh, Craig might have to show me how to edit 360 video, by the way. It looks like it's going to be a uh, quite a challenge. Your machine may from, not handle from what I'm well. reading. You might need to upgrade to the new Mac Studio they just came out with yesterday. Like Mac, they don't have a right click. If you don't have a right click, it I does. You just you. have to turn it on. It's not that hard. Come on, I do it all the time. There's an on button for that. I didn't realize. Yeah, it's an alt alternate click. You know, yeah. when you were talking about turning things on, how about the race last weekend, Bobby? Have you ever seen a hat trick? Has that ever happened? I, I don't think like it's got to be so rare. Now I. Did hear um, 1985 Winter Nationals, possibly. Kip Martin may have won class, qualified number one, and won super stock. Uh, so, anyways, this is stock. This is stock, or maybe that was stock. I don't remember. I feel like I feel like I was told that that happened, or he told me that personally that that happened because he was very proud of that. But regardless, if that's the case, how many years is that? Almost 40 years ago. So. Tim Barrett's going to go in the history books. That's for sure. Well, and he did it in my all-time favorite Chevy car ever built. Like, Chevy has not had anything that even close to that type of car ever. Like, best-looking Chevy ever. Hands down. Hands down. And he's flying now, too. And he's in G-Stock Automatic. Let's see who he beat for the class trophy while we're at it. Kenny Anderson, he beat, who's a Florida native. So Tim just came down from New York. Busted out an 018 light and went a 1089 with a four. And Kenny Anderson was 113 on the tree. That didn't do him any favors. And he went 1111 at 117. So Tim even let off the throttle to rub salt in the wound uh, when he coasted to victory. I had to race Tim before. I got a flat tire when I was pulling up to the lanes to race Tim. He had to wait for me which was very gen gentlemanly of him. It was the day after I got engaged. That was my engagement present, getting a flat tire on the way up to the, to the lanes to race Tim Barrett. Was your future father-in-law there? Father-in-law was not. <laughs> White uh, fiancé was there. and Throwing some and jacks, father, under, throwing some jacks <laughs> father, under your tires. <laughs> his father fixed and plugged the tire in record timing because I'm just... I, I, I should really learn how to do that. You know, he does it what? real quick with a... What? Plugs the tire with the gets the the uh, striker out, melts the thing, pushes the thing in. <laughs> you know me; I don't know all the proper terminology. The thing goes in the thing and melts, and I fill it up with as much air as I possibly can, and I get out there. And Tim Barrett kicked my ass anyway, so it was. I should have just stayed home. Possibly you could get a sponsor from Fix a Flat or that Flexi Seal. <laughs> like you just put the goo in your tire. And... Oh. Well, I feel bad. We just keep talking about Tim Barrett, and he, we should bring him in. I mean, he could, he could, he could uh, commentate on the on the story I just told. He could gloat so, in person. <laughs> Tim Barrett, all the way from New York, but he's down in uh, Gainesville, Florida, right now, happily awaiting the Gator Nationals, so he can pull up a, a repeat. Uh, Tim, how you doing, sir? Very good, Bobby. You guys should have your own TV show. <laughs> you guys are funny. But doing great. We're we're at a dream weekend. It's um, it hasn't. I'd like to say it hasn't sunk in. I don't want it to sink in. You know, just because, like you said, this this is just so amazing and um, so happy. 
Oh, I have. And so it's such an honor to be on this show. It's it's a really um the high one of the highlights. Now we appreciate you coming on, Tim, and doing it from your motorhome. So that going out of your way makes us feel good, and we're happy to have you on. Let's talk about this car. Brian said it's your favorite. It's his favorite Chevy. So you have a '69 Camaro, but you're not doing the whole '396 deal. Your your car has a '350 in it. Is that right? Yes, it's um, two fifty five horse three fifty, <clears throat> but it is uh, original number matching Z twenty eight. I have the three hundred two and the four speed, the carburetor, the intake, the pistons, everything at home in the basement. Original we planned on back in um, actually I started in seventy two with the car, with the three hundred two, but with the stock transmission and the. Stock transmission has a 221st gear in it. It's a close ratio. So when I'd take off from the line, really had to twist it up to get past that first gear. Um, but um, yeah, I've had it since 72. Wow. Now that 350, 255, what does NHRA rate that at? 280. 280. So in G stock automatic, what's your minimum weight have to be? 3250. Okay. And we're running about 3320, 3325. Yeah, now you, you got a power boost over the last two years. Is that right? Um oh yeah. Yeah. I, I read somewhere that you got Glenn Briglio involved of, of B and B uh what machining or something. I, I think that's yeah. the name of the auto machine shop in Oceanside, Long Island. Yeah, we met. Uh, well, I've known Glenn for quite a while, and two years ago, we pitted um, next to each other at um, Indy, and we were talking. I needed my uh, engine needed to be freshened, so I needed somebody to hone it, and usually any of the, the really good shops, you know, you drop your uh, engine off, and they get to it in months if you're lucky, so Anyways, Glenn, we were talking to him, and I told him about the honing, and he said, Jesus, if you want, bring the block down to my shop. He said, we'll set up a date, and he said, I'll check all the clearances, the tolerances, and I'll hone it, and you can bring it home. So we had that set up. When I took the engine apart, thank God, it had a bunch of scoring in the bottom of all the cylinders down where the skirts of the piston. So I called Glenn. Glenn asked if we could afford a SHP block, and I said, yeah. And um, he said he'd get me one, machine it. And then after we thought, I said, if he's good. And then he talked us into a Cali's crank. So um, after time went on and I talked to Linda, and Linda's my, she's my inspiration, my crew chief. You know, I can't say enough because it's, we're a whole package. But anyways, I talked to Glenn, and you know, those guys are good. Him and Henry, oh my God. Henry's been fast with this. And, and that's part of the knowledge is Henry Coons has been running this combination for about 40 years. And um, he's been super fast. Anyways, we asked Glenn if he'd do the short block. He said he would be honored to. Then we thought about it. And I said, you know, asked him if he would do the whole engine. And um, I felt very comfortable, you know, because Glenn and um, 
he doesn't act big, you know, and Glenn is super fast, yeah. super fast with his Camaro. So he did, and um, we dynoed it on Scott Merkel's dyno, and it's Scott's dyno is honest. And the engine put out, I think when we picked it up last year, 427 horsepower. I thought it was low until we made the first pass. And then I said no. And some other people said no. Um, Ford actually, we're shooting for 440. We're up to 436. Um, and my, <laughs> but um, yeah, the car flies. Oh, the car. And we're really not, um, we want to protect the index anyways. And most of all the most of the races we go to are either divisionals or nationals, and we've got a bunch of them this year to do. So, but we can get by half track, you know, what the car. And we went a six seventy seven, I think, half there for um, first round um, against Morgan Wilson for class. Um, but yeah, real happy with the. We did a actually had line shift in Gainesville this weekend, right? So you were good to go there. Oh yeah, thank God, thank God, because <laughs> we got a couple phone calls. You know how the guys are with we're going to get hit with horsepower, and um, that that seems to be the niche in one one of the divisions that um, you know running weight, oil, and protecting the index. And it's funny because none of the other division guys, when we're in division four, Jimmy Hidalgo never talked about talked about protecting the index but um you know still running it keeping track of the averages when you did a good job too like you never went i don't think you ever went 120 under i mean you you drove amazing and protected at the same time oh thanks and you know to be honest i let off on that run i probably would have run a 120 under if um i didn't let off but i was ahead and i never thought about number one but um last year at topeka and this year um had the same feeling at no problem really really comfortable in the lanes i used to get where they still when they say stock to the lanes i gotta go in the bathroom i gotta pee and i i don't do a teaspoon but it's one of them little nervous things but i'm super calm now really and when I look at the list and the people that we ran this weekend, uh, really amazed at um, who we we beat. Well, just the awareness of your car and knowing knowing where you're at and just track awareness and car awareness like that that really showed. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. And you just got a nice message from Dave Lay, the Division One Tech. Director, it was great to see you at the scale so many times on your way to your win. Congrats again, Tim. Thank you, Dave. Dave's a great guy. Dave works hard. Him and Gloria. Gloria was the same way up in the staging lanes. You know, and Dave, every time at the scales, I could see it. He wanted to do a fist pump and say, hey, Tim, Division One, go. But he keeps professional. He does his job, doesn't show any favors or um until afterwards then then um you know it's and which that's one of the great things about this sport it's the people the families the the officials even down here in division two 
Um, there's a couple guys that are a little scruffy. They, you know, you got to be in the right lane and which they got a job to do. But afterwards, this one guy, boy, he was all smiles, shook my hands and, and um, really complimented um, afterwards when we went up to get our picture taken. And um, really, really amazing. It's, um, we thought our Topeka win was good. And, uh, but this one here, and I know we can do it again. And like I said, guys like me aren't supposed to do this. We're supposed to be the guys that come to the track. We, um, if we go one, two, three rounds, you know, that's good. If we get in the money, we go home, we drive a thousand miles and we go home with a third round and we get 75 bucks, you know, yay. We got, we won, we get, we might be able to go out to dinner, but now, um, it's totally changed. It's, um, not that my head isn't going to get too big. It's, um, it's fun. And, and, you know, racing you, Bobby, that time with the soft tire, when I looked at, it, I said, I said, uh, I don't know if I said to Linda, does this guy run these tires that soft? And then I kept looking and it, it was getting lower. And I said, I got to say something. I said, cause you know, you guys, you and your family, super nice people. And I said, can't. And then when we said, and you were running around and your dad was going to get the tire, I said, just, you know, hang in there. We'll be the last ones out. I don't want to push nothing. We'll take time if we have to, you know, make sure that we get the run in. And, and we did. And another memory of, um, you know, our experiences. And Linda and I are, oh, my God, we're, we've got so many things. Every race we go to. We were at Jimmy Hidalgo's a couple of weeks ago. What a great guy he is, country dog, and his wife. Linda got to meet um, Troy Landry of the Swamp People, and um, great time. Really, we're we're humbled. Really humbled. I can, I can only imagine what a hot mess Bobby was while that tire was going flat, and his dad was trying to fix it. Like. He, He's pretty, he's pretty wound pretty tight. I, is my impression. That's just like, yeah, I don't know. How, how'd you handle that, Bobby? Were you nervous? I, I, yeah, obviously, <laughs> but my dad's a magician. Like I, I, he's on the job. I know everything's going to be fine. I felt bad cause I'm making Tim wait though, you know, and, um, I was pitted out in, you know, Delaware as it was. So by the time I got up there, stock had already started kind of running and then, you know, I, I put the pressure on my dad and the patience on Tim. And, uh, you know, part of my job is to make it look like I'm doing something. So I have to run around, you know. <laughs> is it like a, like the Chinese fire drill where you get out and run around the car three times and hop back in? Run, run, hurry up. Just Windex the window. I got to make it look like I'm doing something, you know. His legs were really moving. For a little guy, you know, they can really move around like on, on the basketball court. But I, in a way, well, I really felt bad because really wanted you to make it not i a, afterwards i thought i should have said something earlier to you and uh, but it all went it was fine yeah and, it was fine I, mm -hmm. one and one did i i beat you on that one but you beat me another time we're one and one now i think we raced again toward the end of the year at the nationals in stockland yeah. later uh yeah first or second round and you, you gave me the nice little red light gift the red light special <laughs> i remember that now yeah well it's pretty cool like i said you don't you don't deserve to win and i would argue that 
you know, you're doing this and you're putting in the time and you're trying to make your car faster. Like if anybody deserves it, it's people like you that work hard and just keep persevering. And I think it's, it's pretty cool to, for, to see other people can win. Like, that's what I like about this talking to other people. Like I still remember one of the interviews we first started with Gary Hampton, you know, like there's people out there that probably don't have, I mean, not that it's low budget, but you know, there's, there's definitely different areas of money getting put into cars and different experiences and it's cool to see that any given day the guy that puts in the work and is the most consistent gets to bring home the check and it's not necessarily who spends the most dollars or who has the most sponsors but it's it's cool just to see that anybody can roll up there and it's anybody's race you just put in the work and hard work and determination always perseveres yeah definitely we know there's some you know people that um their main goal is qualifying number one win win a, a class and um i always thought and they're happy with that if they go a few rounds some go quite a few rounds and then um i thought man to to qualify number one and to win class and to win the event um not to it's quite an accomplishment it's it's sinking in a little bit and i um but it, we never planned on it. It wasn't like, you know, the people that um, can have a fast combination, one that, um, you know, might be a little soft or, um, but that's all they, they're happy with that. And most of us that drag race and stock, super stock, comp, all the classes, you know, we want to win. And like I said, it, it's like, now we feel, and Linda tells me, like I said, she's the best um that we deserve it we work hard we pay how many people <laughs> put their engine in engine and transmission in out in the snow behind a car trailer on plywood um but we we do it only takes a few hours and that's what we want and it's it's paid off it's um but now no matter what happens in our drag racing um you know we've got these these memories and especially this one this might be the standout one i'm sure i know we can win a national i really know we can win a national and and more divisionals um so this one we're really enjoying how did you start like when did you start racing what introduced you to the the sport back in 1969 a buddy of mine um we hitchhiked over to a local drag strip, South Glens Falls Dragway. We were 15 or 15. So we got there and it was a dirt pit sand. It was one that got shut down, I think in the late 80s because of PCBs. GE used to um, their waste PCB oils. And we thought it was great. They'd come over and dump their oil on, in the sand down the return road. and um, Anyways, that's where I saw the cars. And I, to be honest, I was always a Mustang fan. I always liked Ford Mustang. But there was probably a dozen 69 Z28s there. And when I heard them things take off and I saw them, there was all different colors. It became my favorite, but I never thought this one would become available. And um, so that's where I got the, um, the first taste of it. What, uh, when did you get your car? How did, when, how long have you had this? Um, 
I bought it from my brother in 1972. It came from our local Chevrolet dealer. It was built in November of 69. And a friend of my brother's bought it. He was a big guy. He was probably, uh, say, 6'4", maybe 300 pounds. So a guy that size trying to get into a 69 Camaro, um, it's tough. So 1970, the Monte Carlo came out. So this guy went up, traded the Z28 in for the Monte Carlo. And my brother knew that. So he went up to the dealer and bought the um, Camaro. He paid, originally it was $3,400. My brother got it for 26. And he drove it for a couple of years. Then he went into the Marines when um, Vietnam was going on. And it was kept at my mother's house. So, of course, I fell right in love with it. I used to wax it. Didn't drive it, but I used to wax it every weekend. And and we used classic car wax. So it'd take a couple hours to put it on, and it'd take another day to get it off. So he came home, or is about to come home, and now I'm 18 and 1972. And I asked him, I said, would you be interested in selling it? He said, eh, yeah, sure. I said, how much? And he said, 1800 bucks. And I think I say that 1800 bucks because I've had some offers for it because it's number matching a substantial amount of money. Um, but I bought, I got it in 72, took it over to the drag strip, got my butt kicked because run just the street tires, the polyglass. Um, GT tires used to it would just smoke them but I thought that was the greatest and then um, got a set of headers for it then it sounded nice and NHRA came out with a rule with the cheater slicks and McCreary I can remember the McCreary they had two lines on them once we put them on then it really started going um, but um, it was factored a little bit light at first and then it gradually got factored to where um, I was running against the big blocks and the Mopars and the Mustangs. and um, But it still held its own. But that's how I got the car and how I started. 1972, 1800 bucks, And um, that was the start. Well, you probably had to sell it at a discount because you had so much of the paint wore off from waxing it every weekend. <laughs> well, that... Uh, if you're familiar with classic car wax, it's a paste. And like I said, and I would put it on, I wanted to, I put it on heavy to make sure that, you know, I got enough wax on there. But when you put that stuff on heavy and I learned, don't do it in the sun, you almost need a grinder to get it off. But um, yeah, tons of memories, this car. And now um, it's just, um, amazing so it's pretty much the car you're the first car you ever took down the track then is the one you're still driving yeah. today yeah yeah i run it with the 302 until 1976 and um had a relationship and so i quit um got through that and then um back in about 1995 i think it was my little sister came down she was diagnosed with leukemia and the car I was driving on the street, it was restored and it really looked nice. You know, these, these cars, and I really like this Daytona yellow, but I donated bone marrow to her 
and she survived. She made it to 50 weeks and I wasn't drag racing. The car was just, you know, I just leading a boring life. And, um, so we did bone marrow transplant. She relapsed. We did another bone marrow transplant and it was 74 days approximately went out to Dana Farber to visit her. And she said, would you do me a big favor? She said, enjoy life. And she said, and she had given up. Uh, um, I said, I will. And so I left, went home and um, Dana Farber's out in Boston, Mass, about 230 miles from. So a few days later, my mother called, my sister passed. So I'm really heartbroken and but boy, it hit me. And within a week, I got on jegs and I ordered a set of slicks, um, Firestone slicks, 28 and a half inch um, tall. Got back into it. And boy, I'll tell you, did I have a hard time. It was <laughs> trying to get the combination. I, I wanted stock eliminator and then a good friend, my first engine builder, Dave LeBrun, um, he kind of took me under um, his wing. I was going to run it with the 302 and the four speed. And Dave said, um, even with the Jericho and, and the clutches and the nineties, um, you still break parts. And he said, if you don't have a lot of money, he suggested the 255 horse 350 with a power glide. And that's what I did. And um, we struggled um, um, at first, first couple of years. And then a good friend, Andy Kanash, he said, you know, if you take a quart of oil out, you can run a 10th faster. And I was running right on the index then, 1245 and H, um, and about, and 1250. So, and we're real familiar with not being able to run the index um, in the past, but um, that's how he got back into it. So and then we just progressed. That would have been like 97-ish time frame? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then a friend, um, Frank Tantillo, said um, he had a Chevelle. It was G-Automatic. He said, Tim, don't do it. He said, this is a drug addiction. He said, once you get doing it, he said, it's like sticking the needle in your arm. He said, you just keep go spending more money to go faster and faster. And initially, we did that. We went to Tom Boucher um, at Dave's um, famous, was famous for the big block, 396 small block he had a one guy tony Mello was running fast but um um tony was done and we were running with old combinations and um tom boucher kicked us up a little bit and was running good and then unfortunately i ran a set of rods too long and um broke a rod and destroyed that engine and then um i think that was yeah when i first met linda and 2005 she says but um and then it's 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 um it's quite a sport that it's like golf tell people you know it's if you do it you need to get some lessons it's um this this is so tough and i look at the list here with the guys you know we raced against this past weekend um you know five of them brad floor blake hickman timey turner tim stickles then Randy Wilkes and I, I thought, you know, Jesus God, give me some of these guys, you know, the, the red light. I need a couple red lights, a breakage, 
one no show and um um i'll buy and you know <laughs> and then red light in the final where's where's fazio when you need him <laughs> i'm sorry bobby he's <laughs> tough i'll tell you bobby's tough yeah no it's that that's a great story now linda it sounds like linda's right there I'm here. She's Linda, here. you can get in the camera if you want. We'd like to talk to you, too. We want to know how you calmed him down during all those rounds. Like, what was your secret to keep him on track? My secret for calming him down is I give him a kiss, and then I walk away, and I say, good luck, <laughs> or I'll say, do well. It's better if I'm not there. Because <laughs> I... <laughs> Well, I do, have a hard time being calm. You do know there's going to be a lot of people looking for kisses now this weekend. So just you, you, a lot of people <laughs> listen to this. You just prepared yourself to be handing them out. So, <laughs> Well, I have a friend that she kisses her husband, then she kisses the car. So, you know, <laughs> we do what we have to do. <laughs> Linda's Kissing Booth. Come see it for $20. <laughs> well, that's awesome. You guys... Uh... That's pretty cool that you can do it together. Like, what's what's your most enjoyable part? Like, is it the racing or just the friendship or? Probably all of it, because even um, with traveling the way we do, um, the preparation, because we get into some of our trips are four or five thousand miles with the loop that we do in the races, and um, so we've got to get everything ready. We got to make sure. And then um, we don't have a vehicle to drive around um, while we're at the track, but there's always somebody here that offers. Um, Chris Hool was um, a great help at Indy um, a couple of years ago and um, a lot of friends. That, but it's the whole combination. We've Every race we go to, we meet somebody new and there's such great people when we stayed at Hidalgo's, um, you know, that was great last year. Um, um, Hooters, um, the father, the two sons, and we met Lance Line and we Lawrence Line and Linda Jason met Line. Jason Line <laughs> and she hugged Jason Line and um, and she hugged Jason Line and <laughs> she kept hugging Jason Line. <laughs> Yeah, hugging Jason line. line, and then Jason <laughs> said, "We we saw Jason again at I don't know Columbus or someplace, and he saw Linda coming, and he Jason's a great guy. He's a he laughed and he said, are you stalking me?' And <laughs> quite funny. And Jason got another hug, and um, he J Linda loves it. This this four is so family friendly and racer friendly and from like I said the officials uh alan reinhardt he's a sweetheart bob uncafer he's a great guy um bob is um and the different um will tharp and division four five three no he's the director of division three great guy um Gary Summers, our good friends Chip and Lori Carta in uh, Kentucky. Um, it's we have Jimmy so, and Pam Marshall and yeah, know, Barb so, and Mike McMahon. There's so many people that are there that have helped us for whatever you know, whatever we need. They're always there. And and then the racing, the competitors, uh, and it's gotten so um, people recognize us. Last weekend, 
of all people, Jeff Strickland came up and he was looking at the car. He said, man, this car is flying. And I'm looking at it. I said, this, this is Jeff Strickland. You know, he's talking to me. You know, it's like, and then he said, I'd love to watch that car go, leave the line. When we're at Bella Rose, um, Jerry Emmons, um, he came over. We had, no, Gary, first round. And yeah. uh, Gary, super nice guy. And he said they've been watching and complimented. And um, and then afterwards, you know, shake your hand. And the, the people, when we're at this level, there's a difference between like just bracket racing where you go, you run, you go home on a Sunday. People respect, and I'm, and again, we're, we're really humbled for what we do. I just wanted to, when we started doing this last year, we did 21,000 miles and we, um, people were kind of famous just for doing that. And so many people said, we dream of doing the races. You know, we did, 12 nationals, 13 divisionals, and two national opens. And um, we just, now we need to learn how to do the races for the points because we kind of messed up division one points. We did the eight events. We could only count three. And then we had some other higher points races where we did good, and but they didn't count because we had our eight races in. Most of them were out of division. So this year we're going to do, um, we've got our scheduled stuff is um, more divisional. You can, she's got bad legs. She's got to have surgery on her leg when we get home. And uh, she can't, this, you know about her slipping there a year ago and uh, she fractured or shattered her femur, femur last year here at the Baby Gators. So she's still two. Sur- this will be a third surgery on her leg. Oh wow! I know it was her birthday this past weekend, correct? So that was a hell of a birthday Monday. present. Yeah, and then then Alan says I made her walk back to the pits after I got the, which she was walking back to the golf cart. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear him say that. I was, yeah, I was that laughing. was funny, hey, dude. And but honestly, you know, there wasn't room because I had a a big check. And I had two Wallies sitting in the front seat. So I would have come back and picked her up with the golf cart once we got the. Um, but we're, we're just truly blessed. It's, uh, or Reinhardt could have given her a ride back if he was, yeah, if he was standing go. there watching, doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> because, hey, Linda, wait, come on up here. I want to I wanna hug. So you guys are doing the racetrack living. Here's a odd question, but what's your go-to meal when you're at the racetrack that you have every time? Oh gosh, Chili, we don't. Um, hot dogs, hamburgers. Um, yeah, probably chicken. <laughs> chicken. Um, I, I'm. I love hamburgs. We go out to dinner at a seafood place, and I'll order a burger, burger and French fries, because I know, um, you know, some of these places, if you're not familiar with them. Um, you can leave hungry, but we, Linda's quite, she's a, she's a really good cook. When I first met her, I weighed 140 pounds and a year <laughs> later I topped 200, 203 or four, I think it was, but even when we met, um, you know, Linda and I went to school together and I was wicked shy. If I was 
20 years ago, I would have never done this interview. I couldn't, I, I would, I'd be too bashful to, but now, um, but Linda and I went to school together. We graduated together in 72 and went our own ways. And um, we met on match.com a long ago. 2005 and we didn't know who each other was and then after we talked for a little bit we found out we went to school together graduated and um we our first date and i'm i've never had a hot flash and the, our first date i bought some flowers we we met behind our local mall and then we were going out to dinner and i i thought i was big um big guy you know i had flowers and i don't know if i had candy but when it got close to time, she was supposed to be there. Oh boy, I got the biggest hot flash. And I said, what the heck is this thing? And um, she came up and I went back to my days of bashfulness. I stood there uh, with the flowers in my hand and she said, oh, are these for me? And I go, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, memories that um, are really great. That, um, what was the restaurant you went, took her to? Olive Garden fancy yeah it's pretty impressive you remember that yeah well that like I said i'd like to forget the hot flash and the the um i don't want to say dumbness but acting where i couldn't speak but it all worked out because we've been great together you know it i'm not religious and i'm starting to lean um because something happened at topeka last year a really super calmness and when we won and then you know we and we've been thrown some really tough austin williams in the final and when we got to the towards finish line i'm looking at austin's light on the wall and i said i ain't go you know but we were so close and then my light came on um but and then this race here um the whole season the whole start I've been so comfortable, so calm, and I can't, I, I don't want to say I don't understand it, but even in the lanes, I, I used to get, oh my God, so nervous, and you know, hurry up, let's run this, and then in the final there against Randy, if the super streeter didn't blow his engine, and we had to sit there for 10, 15 minutes, and never phased me one bit, I just, and then when we made the run, I just, I got to cut a light, and um, we won. <laughs> that's great showing that's that's maturity right there tim you're you got a lot of runs under your belt and you're experienced so thank you buddy. i wouldn't imagine you would be you know nervous at all anymore anyway but considering that you've hit basically almost every track on the circuit what's the what's your favorite one i mean pretend it's eight days ago and you haven't won the baby gators yet what's your what's your favorite track or nicest track that you think we should all see someday Favorite track is this one here, Gators. You know, it's the the weather, the track. It's really a nice track, and, and there's that would be the top one. But other ones, um, Bowling Green. Uh, I like Indy, but Indy, um, where we pit, we pit with a good friend now, um, Ben Wenzel, Dave and Ben Wenzel. And he actually, he called us last year. We were pitted and, you know, really honored. He said, would you save us a spot? And um, so we, we have a good relationship with um, Ben and um, his wife. 
Um, Linda said Norwalk because free ice cream. And I think um, they're all, uh, Epping is good. Lebanon Valley is unique. Um, Atco is nice. Maple Grove, I like Maple Grove. Um, and then got into Virginia. Virginia is nice. Um, so it's pretty safe to, to say. the West Coast? We're supposed to be doing the Western Swing with Pam and Jim Marshall this year. Hopefully, it's the diesel fuel price is getting up there. We'll still do it because I think if we don't do it this year, we may never do it. Um, the way things are going, it's really sad. And um, there's a guy coming around here with a tanker, uh, diesel, five bucks a gallon, filling you know motors, homes up that have been sitting. Uh, so Brainerd, a one one track. I like Brainerd. Brainerd, if it's flat, the when you come into staging lanes, the, the staging lanes when you get up close to the water box, it's um, it's really wide, and it's looks like a parking lot almost. And uh, but Brainerd is nice. The people there are fantastic. Real security is wicked at Brainerd. You got to have the wristband. You can't go no place and then they have that 200 acre where they all the crazy people are the zoo. the zoo linda said the same weekend and one other nice thing about brainerd they have boone's farm outside the track at the local uh, convenience store for 3.99 a bottle and they have a lot of it that's because of the zoo Probably. You know, like the, when you actually go to the zoo, there's the little thing you put the money in it so you can feed the animals. That's what the Boone's Farm is at the gas station. Okay. You're from that area then. Yeah, that's our, well, that's our home. That's basically my home NHRA track. So I'm about three hours okay. from there. So, yeah, it's a nice, I like, we were over in the back where the, I guess, a hurricane or tornado and it blew and it was a little sandy. There isn't much grass growing yet. Yeah, back there in the loop. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we had a great time there last year. Other than we run into that Mopar um, G automatic that uh, flies, but this year, now nah, I won't push it. We, uh, saving the index um, um, for any heads up class. Yeah, so I think it's safe to say that you like pretty much every track you've been to, going by the list there. Yes. Yeah. There, I there's none that. I could really say I don't like because everyone has its um, unique setup and the people running it. Oh, new media. I like new media. It's a little slow in Pennsylvania. It's one of the cleanest, best mode tracks, um, you know, on tour. No problem. No problem is great. Um, we had issues there a week ago of, with traction. Traction, um, Lee Zane was there and we did one run and we did a little wheel stand and um, the car headed for the wall. I got on into the paint, the painted part and boy, the car was really, and I had to let off. But um, other than that, no problem is really nice. Nice, um, nice, super nice people at no problem. We got sidetracked and started talking about racing when we were talking about food and 
Did Jimmy oh. t- did Jimmy take you to the crawfish place that I hear about all the time? Do you guys eat crawfish? We went over to Troy Landry's restaurant, and Troy Landry was there. But you never guess what? What did I get? Burger. <laughs> yeah, I got a burger. <laughs> Everybody else got. They can keep them crawfish. What we do with crawfish in upstate New York, we use them for bait. These guys <laughs> pop them open. They get the little piece of meat out, and they can. I'll tell you, they can get that out of there fast. Watch um, Cooter. Cooter. Yeah, and Jimmy was cracking them open, giving them to me and um, Jimmy Marshall. Um, but uh, the stuff I really like is, um, what did we have last year on the dish when we first got? Oh, I can't think of it. At no problem, right? Cold there. Oh, jambalaya. Jambalaya, cheese them. Um, that's really good. But I don't like too much spicy stuff. Yeah, that's all I so, hear about. He's like, you got to come down here and have the crawfish. You got to come down here and have the crawfish. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I like my, I like my beef. It, it's, you'd have to experience it once because Jimmy does a great job. Jimmy is, is such a host. And yeah, we had the crawfish boil there. He did a, a sack of them, which is 40 or 50 pounds. They just put newspapers down, dump the crawfish in the middle of the table and help yourself along with onions and um, potatoes and sausage and um... well, now we're making love... now we're making everybody hungry like good thing it's gonna be it's gonna be lunchtime out there for you guys soon have you ever thought about, about put, have you ever thought about putting a stick in the car again no only well yes when um we retire from drag racing and putting the 302 and the four speed back in. But I love the stick, to be honest. Um, I enjoyed it. It kind of broke my heart when I went to the power glide with the 350 because um, honestly, there's nothing like shifting a car going down the track. And especially with the transmissions we have nowadays, um, I don't want to say they're bulletproof, but. Uh, the only thing when they break, they break. Automatics break, but um, yeah, I'd, it, at my age, we, let me say I turn 68 next week. So um, this combination we got, this we get the automatic, the metric 200 that Jack Sapanic uh-huh. built for us um, is wicked. He he did a fantastic transmission and. Uh, we're very fortunate because between the transmission and the converter, we broke Jack's transmission, but that was inevitable because um, we had so many runs on it. But it wasn't a huge breakage. But the converter um, we sent to Frank Lupo, and when Jack redid the transmission, we got it back. And you know, like a stockers, hopefully, it's pretty close to. Um, what we need and uh, boy jack and frank i'll tell you nailed it with um glenn briglio's engine this thing is um you know in decent air a 1070 is no problem no problem and anybody that wants to look at this engine anything on it more than happy to show it to them because it's you know really um an honest setup 
Did the 350 255 come with a, a power glide? Is that all that came with a power glide? I, um, I think so. So I'm then, up sure. until what, like five or six years ago, you would have had to run the power glide, but now you're allowed to run the three speed. Yeah. Yeah. NHRA changed the rule. Um, God, in maybe 2000, mid 2000, around there. And then um, I don't know if it was Lenny Cructo that started building the metric 200s, but he was with Lupo, and I, I'm pretty sure him and Lupo were together and bought one of them metric 200s over the power glide. And nothing against power glides, but you know, you could bring a snack with you when you shift the power glide. You, you take off, it leaves, and, and they're consistent, really consistent. But um, the one that I had, I broke it, and it was it was a pretty good power glide that um, Dave LeBron got me the converter and the power glide, and it worked good for you know a while. But once we got introduced to the metric two hundred, um, that really really made a difference. And then it was fun to drive. And then the goal was to because if you remember Barry Parker used to with his 69 Camaro boy he'd put that on the bumper and everybody was wondering and Kenny Mealy Mealy does a wheelie people were wondering how the hell are these guys doing it and with our car we've had so many people look at the back we still run um, the original Lakewood slapper bar from 1972 that I ran the only thing I did was cut it and extend it so I, it under the eye of the leaf spring and uh, but the rest of it multi-leaf most of the springs in it are from 1968 the multi-leaf from the z28 people are guys it's funny the the guys that look underneath there and they scratch it, their head and they look at me and then because they we i guess we were pretty impressive with leaving the line this weekend with the car coming up and um when the guys looked at um, one guy, um, Houston Rakies, is it? Houston went over and looked at, God damn, he said, a buddy of his, in fact, it might have been Austin Alvey, said, go look underneath that freaking Camaro. Look at his suspension. And um, But we ain't changing a thing. We, this car ain't changing. We ain't changing nothing on that. It looked good uh, on the TV, on the uh, big screen, every time it left the line. Nice. It was carrying them out there, at least what? 60 70 feet you had to be taking the 60 foot cone on the uh, back bumper yeah there was three times i think we tripped the 60 foot with the back back tires whose shocks are you running um the front are um Sandhoffs and the back are um oh gosh i want i'd say afco but uh, um, they're competition engineering. I'm sorry, competition engineering on the back and um, sand huffs on the front. And what a difference those sand huffs made. Yeah, I can attest to that. Definitely helps the car land nice and smooth without a lot of bouncing around and just controls controls the landing. I mean, they say wheelies are, are like wasted motion and stuff, but I just, I, you have to, uh, you, you got to do them. It's just so much fun. You know, somebody, somebody was telling me that a couple guys said that you're losing two or three hundreds. But my theory is when you leave the line, 
the back tires are always going to be moving. So if your front tires come up, your back tire, unless, you know, your back tires stop to let the front tires come down, then it takes off. But my theory is the back tires are constantly moving. As long as they're moving and the front will catch up to the back tires, then it's going to be the same distance. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but Brian Oak said, make your car lift as high as it can because he said he I don't know if he experimented when he had his Camaro with the 255 he said this combination you want to lift and you know might help to me if you you don't have as much weight you know that you're pushing at the front comes up uh, I I wasn't good at science so <laughs> but just looking and thinking about it kind of makes sense you know if you're down flat pro stock can do that without doing a wheelie but if we're trying to take off and we're trying to push that 3300 pounds straight forward and again the back tires are the ones that are doing it the front tires have nothing other than um, the starting line and the beams and uh, each increment but uh, to me the the back tires are uh, so i'm going to keep doing them keep uh, we're having a set of wheelie bars made you know, I could tone it down with just the shocks because the sand huffs, I could tighten them up and it wouldn't lift at all. So we're going to spend a little bit of money because uh, we've had a lot of people really, you know, say how nice it looked. And um, it draws a little bit of attention and that's what we need in stock. You know, the people yes. we get the old timers and um, uh, something to get a little bit. We'll, we'll never be the show. Uh, but at least we can be entertaining. That's that's my goal. We want to be the semi show then, if that's what the best we can do. I wish they would let me announce a round or two because I really want to explain some things to the crowd if they're there. Which very disappointing to see Gainesville. The crowd at the Baby Gators was embarrassing to me. I don't know why the track couldn't do something better to get more people in, especially given the weather was fantastic. Yeah, there was. A, I looked there a couple times, and geez, I don't know if there's 15, 20 people on the right side. And on the left side, um, I think I saw one day there was one person sitting up there. Yeah, it's kind of, but it's, yeah, but then it's if like they go, gave up. It's like the track just gives up and just doesn't, just whatever we get off the uh, admission or the entry fees, and let's just get this event, you know, over with. I mean, yeah. Well, why you're not having five or ten dollars spectators in or free car loads or or something beyond me and was there what, what was oh. the talk in the pits as far as like with fuel prices i wonder if that had anything to do with keeping people oh, away. yeah some of the guys have said they're going to scale back with the way the prices are and but i keep saying i, I told them i you know who knows what's going to happen the end of the year or next year we may not be able to go at all hopefully you know i don't want to think that way but we have a limit, you know, if, if diesel gets up $10 a gallon, that's, that's really going to cut us back. We'll still go local division one. Um, but I would imagine that a lot of guys would, um, you know, quit kind of like the COVID thing, you know, that amounted to, and some people were tragically lost because of that. But if they'd done the COVID thing, right as human beings, a lot of people would have survived 
with um, the medication that's available that they didn't make. So in the pits here, yeah, guys, um, probably 50% said they're not going to change. They'll keep going because we just love this sport so much. And uh, there's everybody, there's going to come a time when we can't do it. And unfortunately, but fortunately, in our later part of life, we're able to do this and do it where um, we have a good motor home. We can, we, we can do the fuel price. We're not rich, but, uh, and we don't have a super good retirement, but um, I know how to manage money and don't spend it foolishly. Um, um, so uh, I think most for a while um, guys are going to keep going with, um, I think few pulled out. Well, the weather was a big thing, though. So we just had a comment. Um, there was no charge on Thursday for spectators and only $15 for Friday. Yeah, it, it's fun. It's sad because if they would have had half a dozen of those street war cars here, um, you know, I'll bet you they would have drawn something, you know, late afterwards, maybe. Maybe that's what they should have done. They could have had after we did qualifying, um, could have had, Somebody was talking about that. They were thinking NHRA of those guys, um, big big Joe. I don't I don't watch it, but um, they said when they have those events, a lot of people go to watch them. Guys put on a show, um, but I don't remember who it was. But they said they were thinking about mixing them in to the show a little bit. Of course, they probably do that with a national instead of. You know, like here after we got done with qualifying, if I'll bet you they could have pulled in a few thousand people if they had those um, guys. Is it because people enjoy that racing, or is it because that racing uh, association I, pr uh, advertises better and makes it aware, makes people aware yeah. that they're going to be there? Yeah, and there's a lot of people like pickup trucks. You know, we used to years ago and down south. You know, people lean on the back and might be drinking a beer or they'd lean on the truck. And our way, the the um, dirt track, uh, I'm amazed at how many people go to watch them guys go around in circles in the dirt. And when they leave, their vehicles are covered with dirt. They, they got to go home, take a shower. I went to one of them and I was ch chewing dirt for three days in my teeth. Uh, but they get the people in and... Um, I don't know. It's and we're drag racing. It's a car show. The people, the rigs, especially. I'm amazed at the rigs that Pete guys have got now. Um, the stackers, the tandem axle, um, and um, yeah, it's really grown. But the spectators, um, I I don't think we'll ever have them at a divisional level, unless they draw do something to. Um, well, it is possible because um, Norwalk gets them. And I think there's like one or two, maybe other divisionals that get them. You can get them if you want. And that's, that's where they have to, that's where they got to decide if they want spectators or not. And it's not, right. not that difficult. Promote it if you want. Yeah. Um, well, Tim, we don't, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I would like to find out how, was this a bucket list uh, thing for you guys to hit all the races? When did this start? Is this something that you started last year that you decided to go on the full tour? It's I've been, thinking about this for years but um unfortunately we've had a couple family tragedies that 
um, kind of came to attention that, you know, life is short and precious. Linda just went through her second bout of breast cancer. Last year, we got home from St. Louis, and it was just, uh, we had a great time. And um, she had a routine breast exam, and I was up north at our hunting club setting up a couple deer blinds. She called. Her breast cancer came back, and um, a year ago, November, she had to have a double mastectomy. But um, four years ago, um, you know, she lost a son, and tragically, and I, through my life, my best friend, he died, tragic car accident, 21. My dad died young, and I, like I said, being somebody that's not outgoing, you know, I didn't have a bunch of girlfriends or loud and a good dancer. I just decided maybe five years ago, if we could get a good combination, because the way we travel, you better have some horsepower or you're going to go home. And three years ago, we went to St. Louis. It was our last race. And um, with the engine I did, we had Austin LV at a double, the double um, Lucas Oil event lost first round to Austin Alvey and then Corey Hopkins first round the next one so and that's 1100 miles away so that was when we decided the horsepower and then again getting later on in life and seeing people you know as you get older you see more people pass so um I said now nah, let's do this this is like I said it's a great Linda never was around drag racing before I met her and she quickly fell in love with it, with the people, fantastic people. The people are, um, and, you know, there's a lot of downtime, but, um, yeah, that was the thing. Life, enjoying life. You know, you got to, so many people take life for granted. You know, they, people don't save for retirement. You know, they party their retirement. And then when they get old, they, they got to go and they have to retire, then they go work at Walmart, or they got to have another job, or they got to, you know, and then the, it's unhappy. I just want to, when I'm sitting on the porch, and I can't go no place, I want to be able to sit and say, hey, I talked to Bobby and the guys, uh, class racer, and we won the baby gators, we did the trifecta, we, we, um, you know, fantastic. It's, um, I'm really fighting back tears. It's, um, you know, I'm one guy that really loved the sport and, and the people. You know, people are just, like I said, great. Can't say no. Well, well Tim, we, we thank you for joining us and wish you lots of luck this weekend. Now, if we do get some racing in, competitors, I just want to let you know that make that run count because it will probably be your only one. So if you get one qualifying hit Thursday or Friday or Saturday, it's probably going to be the only one you get. So get them babies dialed in. I hope to see everybody down there. Um, come find me, stop me. If I'm in, if I'm in my own world, staring out into space, some tap me on the arm or punch me in the arm and uh, say hello and let me interview you. Okay, Bobby. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Linda. I look forward to meeting you this weekend too. Absolutely. Excellent. Thank you so much. This is Class Racing Today. Also remember... If you want to help support the show, uh, you can do that. ClassRacingToday.com. Go to the donate button and you get to choose the value you get out of the show 
turn it into dollars and send it our way. Another great way that you can help support the show is actually telling more people to listen, sharing it out to the to those around you, uh, other people in the industry, uh, other racers that you see that maybe don't know about it. Tell them about it. Uh, that's a fantastic way to get it out there. Also, follow us along the social medias, uh, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. Thanks a lot so much. Have a great time. See you all next week. This is Class Racing Today. Have a great day.